It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome into episode 45 of the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. And uh, before we get into it this week, I want to, first of all, thank all the listeners who reached out and let us know uh, we had a little bit of trouble you might have seen on our social media. Uh, we were having some trouble with our feed on Apple Podcasts this past week. Uh, but it seems to be sorted out now, so hopefully there's no more issues. Thanks a lot to everybody who let us know. Thanks a lot to the people at Apple Podcasts and um, the people at Anchor, our host site, who worked really hard to help resolve the issue quickly. And uh, if you're new to the show this week, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, You know, share us with your loved ones. Father's Day is coming up. The, could this could be the special special present for the big guy? Is let him know about our show and uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Falcomaniacs. But anyways, we got business to get to. I'm Kyle Faulkner and I'm here as always with my co-host Jeff Faulkner, the Doc Brown of my Marty McFly. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm actually I'm I'm laughing here. I'm I'm imagining opening up a card on Father's Day morning and it says. Hey, Dad, I love you. Happy Father's Day. Check out this podcast. <laughs> You're laughing because yeah. of how happy you'd be as a father? Yeah, well, yeah. that's exactly what it is and how happy I would be as a you know fantasy football fan because obviously we're going to help you take your game to the next level. Uh, to answer your question, man, I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a busy week work-wise, but uh, I'm happy to chat with you. we got a lot to talk about, and you know we're 45 episodes deep into this thing. Um, let's talk about our jersey swap. Let's get this out of the way. So number 45, man, there are... This number actually surprised me. I, I knew a couple of them, but then when I did some research, some big, big names. We got, first of all, the biggest name, Michael Jordan on the Bulls when he made his return. He wore, I don't know if you remember, he wore the number 45 for a, a short time. I remember. Uh, that was also his, <laughs> I actually still own a t-shirt from when I was like 12 years old. It says, he's back, and it has the number 45 on it. Um, Playtime's over. He's back is what it says, and I got made fun <laughs> of a lot as a child for that. Anyways, um so Michael Jordan on the Bulls. You got Michael Jordan when he played baseball for the White Sox or in the White Sox organization. He wore number 45. Yeah. We got Booby Miles from Friday Night Lights fame. Devin White, stud middle linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. President, ex-president Donald Trump. Uh, that one was like, it showed up way too much that I had to put it on the list. Obviously, it's, anyways. Uh, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Jonathan Bernier, just to bring up the Leafs mm. uh, at least once on this week's podcast. Cecil Fielder, who was an all-time home run stud. Garrett Cole, who is a current stud. Pedro Martinez, who may be one of the best pitchers ever, and maybe the only guy better than him is Bob Gibson. So, man, 45 is loaded. Which one would you go with? Well, Jeff, you know, the Jordan Bulls is sweet, but you think Jordan, you think 23. Like, that's that's got to be the way you'd go for that. Um, of the players that you listed here... You know, a, a Pedro Expos jersey, I don't think you could really beat that. But uh, to be honest with you, if I'm picking the ultimate number 45, I'm not picking anybody on this list. And, and to be honest, I'm a little disappointed in you, Jeff, because you missed probably the most important number 45 in history. Daniel Rudy Rudiger. Oh, Rudy, 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 Rudy. Number 45, Notre Dame. Oh, boy. I don't know how that didn't come up. Booby Miles came up, and they don't show me Rudy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, I was going Pedro's Expos, but yeah, we named our dog Rudy. I think I have to own that jersey, so yeah, well done. Well, you're not allowed to have it now, hmm. Mr. Faker, Mr. Fake Fan. 
<laughs> All right. So in other news, on. I will be taking applications for a uh, podcast co-host in the near future, <laughs> but uh, you must be honest. No. Um, yeah, Pedro on this list would be great, but I think uh, I think if we're staying loyal to the uh, Falk Maniacs brand, uh, dark blue Notre Dame with Rudiger on the back, there's nothing that can beat that. Oh, agreed. Oh, boy. I'm so disappointed in myself. Oh, that's all right. You can make it up to me by only talking about nice and compassionate things for the rest of the show, right? Anyways, <laughs> let's get to it here, buddy. Let's get this game started, get to the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. All right, so I have a bit of a... Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit this week, Jeff. I've got a little bit of a game for you to play. There's three rounds, and uh, yeah, I hope you like it. This first one is... This first one is kind of close to home. You know, it's the division that we... Uh, it's the division we cheer for. I've got um, three AFC North quarterbacks... And what I want you to do is put them in order, not the order you think they're going to finish in this year, but the order that you think they finished in last fantasy season. So the best fantasy quarterback of the three first and then second and then last. So Big Ben, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Who is the best? Who is middle? Who is worst? So I, now I understand why last week when I asked you those questions and you said you have these uneasy feelings and you're nervous and you, you feel like it's a trick question and you're overthinking things. Um, I'm just going to say Lamar was first. And see, Big Ben and Baker, everybody crapped on Big Ben's last year, but really they had no run game. So we probably, yeah, I'm going to say Big Ben two and then Baker three. Oh, look at you, buddy, just redeeming yourself. Yeah, Lamar finished as quarterback 10 last season. He had 358 fantasy points. Big Ben finished as the QB 12, so he was still a starter, technically, with 321 points. And Baker Mayfield, who, uh, you know, the new hotness, the guy who everybody's looking at, he finishes the QB 16, but 274, so, you know, nearly 100 points less than Lamar, and that's in a down year for Lamar, so, yeah. Um, you know, Baker, to be fair, Baker had at least two weeks where he was playing in monsoons and passing wasn't even an option, but, uh, yeah. That's true. No, that, that's true. I remember uh, we did talk about that, and then we talked about down the stretch how he was going to light it up, and uh, and yeah, so yeah, good call. But Big Ben's better. All right, uh, next up, buddy. I've got three running backs for you. They all played 12 games last year, so I tried to, you know, I didn't want to go by per-game stats. They all played 12 games last year. I want you to put them in order of how they finished. So I've got Miles Sanders, your boy. Chris Carson or David Johnson? Ah, oh, man. This feels like an insult to Miles Sanders to be even in a question with these guys. <laughs> well, um, it's just based on number of games, right? I know. Like, it's gross, though. Um, and I, I bet you at least one of them had more points than him. So I'm going to say it was David Johnson first, Sanders, Carson. Oof. Strike three, you're out. Chris Carson finished as the RB18 with 169 fantasy points. David Johnson finished as the RB20 with 163 fantasy points. And Miles Sanders finished as the RB24 with 158 fantasy points. 
Woof. Yeah, you know what? It, you know, <laughs> you I, were right. I thought Carson missed more time with the injury. I knew at least one of them was ahead of him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Miles was banged up at least, I mean, three times yeah. last year, I think he missed some games. So, yeah, he's fresh for this year. Oh, we'll see. So are the other eight guys in that backfield. All right, last one for you here, buddy. And this one is not, uh, this one isn't ranked. I'm going to give you the total fantasy points. I want to see what you think of these three wide receivers. So I've got Stephon Diggs, who had, you know, 266 fantasy points. Keenan Allen, my new hotness on the uh, the Mean Machine and the LOEG, scored 196. So pretty big gap, 70-point gap to Stephon Diggs. And Hollywood Brown scored 157 fantasy points. So another pretty big gap, 40-point gap between Allen and Brown, 70-point gap from Allen to Diggs. I want you to rank them in order from most receiving touchdowns to least receiving touchdowns last season. Oh, this again, it feels like another. First of all, I love how you look at the light we shine on Keenan Allen comparing him to Diggs. And, and, and anyways, um, <laughs> I think, well, I think Diggs only had three touchdowns last year. So I'm going to put him last. I'm going to put Brown second and Keenan Allen had the most receiving touchdowns. Haha, uh-huh, trick question. All of them had eight. They all had eight touchdowns. Diggs had 127. Eight. Diggs had 127 catches for 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. Allen had 100 catches for 992 and eight, but he only played in 14 games. And Hollywood Brown, who, you know, if we were doing this show last off season, we were kind of doing our own personal show on our on our text back and forth. But this, I think, would have been a player that you would have been pumping his tires. He finished with 58 catches for 769, but eight touchdowns. So half as many catches as Diggs, half as many yards as Diggs, same number of touchdowns. Um, now... Only 50% of the reason I threw that last question in was to, uh, you know, embarrass you, humiliate you on uh, on national radio. So you're welcome. But the other 50% was just to point out how low that touchdown total was for Diggs. Like we talked about it when we did our wide receiver recap. But, uh, you know, 127 catches, 1,500 yards, and he was in a brand new offense. And he was with a young quarterback who people were kind of unsure of. You know, we saw what happened to Adams with 18 touchdowns this year. Obviously, you know, record-setting pace and finished as the wide receiver one, and he even missed a couple of games and and did all that. Uh, but you know, you've given a lot of love to AJ Brown. I I think I'm kind of starting to get on the train that Stephon Diggs could finish as the number one wide receiver this year. Oh, it's an absolute possibility based on the volume and and you know, there's we're gonna get to the news in a little bit here, but. Uh, there's no Julio news yet, so it's hard to gauge where you know where any of these receivers going to end up until Julio finds a home. If he goes to Tennessee, then AJ Brown's value, you know, his ceiling's kind of limited. If he goes to Buffalo, same thing with Diggs. I think that eats into his uh, you know workload. So um, until that happens, I think we won't really have a clear picture at receiver. But Diggs is an absolute stud. I mean, yeah, he had eight. It, it was such a low number; it felt like three to me. That's why I guessed three. It was just based on catches and, and yards. It's crazy to me that he couldn't find the paint. But um, he's an absolute stud, and Josh Allen obviously loves and trusts him. Yeah, for sure. And you're right; it was super low, especially compared to Adams at 18, and I think Tyreek at number two had 15, I believe. So for him to only, you know, be a third, almost a third of uh, Adams and half of half of Tyreek. Uh, yeah, it seems like he barely did anything at all, right? 
Well, that was a nice, fun little game, and I appreciate you know the opportunity to play something <laughs> that, that is three rounds. Unfortunately for you and your favorite team, getting Ooh. out of the first round is not uh, something they can do. Talk to me about... Oh, boy. Get it out of there. Get it out. I kind of teased them with Jonathan Bernier. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The playoffs is uh, hockey playoffs is your favorite of all the playoffs. Do you feel still feel that way after your Leafs found a new way to embarrass the, the you know the Maple Leaf on their chest? Well, they embarrassed the Maple Leaf on their chest, and to be honest, you know it's it's on one hand not surprising as a Leafs fan. This is kind of just what we do and what we've grown to expect over the last couple decades. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, there there is some, I think, internal consequence anyways for the fan base. Like, this is a team that has, you know, for how unsuccessful they've been, really, they haven't won, they haven't played in a Stanley Cup final in over 50 years. Um, they haven't won a Stanley Cup in over 50 years. The closest they've been in my lifetime Three times they've been to the conference finals, so the semifinals. Over the last 18 years, I think, is the number I've heard, you know, for the last few weeks. They haven't won a playoff series. They had a decade where they didn't go to the playoffs. And now, obviously, we have, uh, what, five consecutive years of first-round exits. If you, if you even count last year as a first-round, it was kind of a play-in round exit. Um, uh, it's embarrassing to be honest. Oh, it with counts. You. It counts. Yeah. Well, that. Well, I. I mean, I don't think it counts as even making the playoffs. They didn't even no, get right, there, okay. really, right? But if they, <laughs> if it was, they're out, right? You know what being a Leafs fan is like. I texted this to somebody. Have you ever been a part of a workplace that does a lottery ticket buy-in? Everybody puts in whatever yes, five bucks have, a week, yes. and you buy a mask. You're not gonna win. You know, you're not gonna win. But you can't risk being the one person who didn't put their five bucks in in case you win. And that's what it's like being a Leafs fan. We all know we're not going to win. We all know nothing's going to happen. But you can't hang up your jersey and say, I'm done. Because the next year they're going to come out and do something. And you're going to look stupid for saying that you're done with them. Everybody is hanging on to the hope that our numbers are going to get called. That something special is going to happen. But as a Leafs fan, you know, doing this again... I'm ashamed of myself for bringing my boys into this religion of misery. And I'm ashamed of myself for not having the common sense to cut ties. And you know what? I'm a little bit ashamed of the team that I cheered so hard for all season and the effort that uh, that I saw over the last few games there. So thanks, Jeff. <laughs> the New York Knickerbockers, the Cleveland oh. Browns, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the same crazy category of just seems like a cursed franchise and... You know, maybe it's time to get the boys some Kraken jerseys. But you know what? We'll talk about that another time. Let's jump into the fantasy news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for fantasy football news. All right, back to fantasy football. <clears throat> Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, we kind of the forgotten quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. He is healthy and he looks good. He better because he's competing with Trey Lance and he's also possibly auditioning for a job with a new team. So Jimmy G is doing everything he can to, to find a new home. Also in San Francisco, Nick Bosa, he's looking uh, like he's going to be ready for the start of the season, which is huge for that team, obviously. Small news signing alert. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones has signed with the Washington football team, and he will be there just to provide depth behind Logan Thomas. 
Um, and all the way, all the way down south in Miami, the Dolphins coach Brian Flores says that Tua looks a lot more comfortable with the team's offensive system. He's starting to develop a real rapport with his teammates in his first true offseason. So everybody down there is excited. They think they've got something in Tua, and uh, they're excited to show what their team can do. I like it. Russell Wilson, who was you know a big name at the start of the offseason, and as far as news and rumors, uh, you know, along, him and along with a lot of his teammates in Seattle are not at OTAs as of right now. Um, but uh, Wilson did not ever publicly agree with the team's stance that things have been worked out. And as of today, the cap hit on him drops $13 million. So this is something to stay tuned. Stay tuned. Absolutely. And uh, in Green Bay, there's news coming out of Packers uh, OTAs that their backup quarterback, Jordan Love, has reportedly been showing progress during OTAs. Uh, although he's the only quarterback there and he's also practicing without basically his whole receiving core. So I'm not sure what kind of progress he's showing. And it's a little disheartening, to be honest, at a time when every coach is building up their players. Like we talked about last week, the best the, the best that the Packers can muster was he's showing progress. So, uh, yeah, they need Aaron Rodgers. He better. <laughs> yeah, he better be. Well, uh, speaking of coaches hyping things up, Joe Lombardi is all sunshine and lollipops in Los Angeles. Uh, he says that Keenan Allen is a special talent whose role will not change much this year and that Mike Williams is going to put up some nice numbers. All aboard the hype train. It's June 2nd. <laughs> all right. In the Motor City, the, uh, Todd Gurley visited with the Lions late last week, and uh, we saw him last year in Atlanta, and while his numbers weren't great, he did show that he was very effective at the goal line. He has a nose for the goal line. So now we have the possibility of Todd Gurley combined with Jamal Adams backing up DeAndre Swift. And this really, uh, this is not news that Swift truthers want to hear. We mentioned last week, even the Williams signing hurt that. And uh, this could really limit the breakout potential, the real bell cow QB1 potential of a guy like DeAndre Swift. I don't I'm not I'm not worried about Gurley if he hasn't found a whole roster yet I think uh, it's just a depth move and I actually want to ask you I want to jump back to the last one I know we're trying to rip through this but Mike Williams how do you feel about him moving forward because he's kind of this you know perennial breakout candidate who doesn't really do it he shows flashes but I mean Herbert year two what do you think about Mike Williams real quick well, I'm not a huge believer, if I'm being honest. He's got talent, and he's he's got the vertical uh, leap to get up there. But the thing that scares me about him is it's like every pass, doesn't matter if it's at waist level, he jumps six feet in the air, and then he gets flipped over, and then he lands on his neck or on his back, and then he's out for a little while. And then when he comes back in, he does the same thing again. Like, it's a car wreck. And uh, I don't know. It's like know. a crash test on me. He is, man. That's exactly what it reminds me of. That's and uh, it's like a, it's just like a stuffed mannequin that they put out in the field to let, you know, like a 12-year-old run 100 yards as fast as they can and just throw their body into. And uh, obviously, that's going to take a toll and expose him to more injury. But I think, too, you know, he's a guy that until he shows that he can do it all the time, you, you can plug him into your lineup and you're praying for two big touchdowns to, to blow your week up. But it's just as likely that you're going to get a big fat goose egg. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there's only one receiver there that matters. And uh, we all know how I feel about Mr. Allen. No, Williams is definitely touchdown dependent. and. And uh, I agree with everything you said there for sure. Um, you know, we're talking about breakouts and uh, being limited with DeAndre Swift, but uh, it sounds like in the Washington football team has other plans for their uh, sophomore running back. Antonio Gibson is uh, reportedly going to be used more in the passing game this year. Uh, they do still have J.D. McKissick on the roster and in the backfield, but uh, obviously Gibson's ability to, to make plays in the passing game would, you know, 
raised the ceiling up exponentially almost. Yeah, for sure. And he was a, he was a breakout darling even last year, um, coming into camp and showed well as a rookie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this could mean big, if he gets involved in those third down situations, uh, this could mean big things for his value. Well, folks, you heard it here first, and now we hear it there. There are whispers coming out of Jags camps that Urban Meyer did not bring Tim Tebow in to actually play tight end, but instead to be more of a Taysom Hill-type player for them. So, Jeff, kudos to you right off the bat. That was kind of your take. Uh, This sounds messy. If he gets in there and does what you were talking about and his main usage is going to be around the red zone, I don't like it. I don't like it for James Robinson. I don't like it for Travis Etienne. I don't like it for the receivers. I don't like it for Trevor Lawrence. I just don't like it. And for those of you at home, if you're listening, we just talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars, so that is your cue to drink. Summer of Meyer, and this is continuing here. (laughs) Um, You know, something we forgot to mention last week, but it happened, uh, the news kind of broke right before we went on air to record. Uh, Running back Jeff Wilson from the San Francisco 49ers He's going to start the season on the PUP uh, due to a knee injury he suffered during, during a weightlifting session. Uh, sounds like he's going to be out four to six months. And, uh, you know, some people, I mean, the hype train already on Raheem Mostert's kind of through the roof. And, you know, people like Trey Sermon, who, you know, are going to be fighting for touches, maybe an opportunity opens for them to leapfrog somebody who gets hurt. Uh, you know, stay tuned to that backfield for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm a Raheem, I'm a Raheem Mostert owner, and to be honest, before the NFL draft, I was kind of toying with the idea of uh, using him as a keeper. And uh, I actually heard an interview with Kyle Uscheck, the fullback in San Francisco, talking about what a big year Mostert was going to have. And then they spent the draft capital um, to get Trey Sermon, and he, you know, he showed a lot on his college film. And obviously, San Francisco's been kind of a mess, right? With Even with all three of them, I would expect Wilson, Mostert, and Sermon to get work. But uh, right now, up front, I think this helps Mostert the most. If Wilson's gone, I think he's going to get the most run just because of his experience, his pass-blocking ability, and his outright speed. Um, and then I honestly, down the stretch, even if Wilson doesn't come back healthy, I think it'll be a Mostert Sermon hot hand situation. And if Wilson is in the mix, it could be any of the three. Um, so if you've got Mostert, um, you know, he could be a guy for the opening month of the season that really helps you out. Uh, but then you may need to have a backup plan. So I like Sermon for the long run. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For the long run. I think he's a different type of back from Mostert and Wilson too, right? He's more of a bruiser. So I'm excited to see what Shanahan does with him. Yeah, once he gets in there and uh, and healthy, and I think it depends too on what's happening with their uh, with their quarterback situation, right? Is it Garoppolo or is it or is it Lance earlier than we think? Um, or Rogers? Or Rogers? Ooh, um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, we still have no no home decided for Julio Jones now. Um, we talked about how today was kind of the the drop on the cap hit for Russell Wilson potentially moving on, and that's for a lot of players in the league the uh, the ability to trade or or cut ties with guys um, becomes a lot more financially feasible because they can split the cap hit over two seasons. But uh, all of a sudden, those two kind of are coming together here. The, the fates are aligning things for Russell Wilson and Julio Jones because this week it came out that, you know, we had talked about the Patriots and the Titans as potential homes for Julio, and all of a sudden the Seahawks are right in the middle of the mix. And now it's kind of becoming, they went from long shots to like the betting favorites to get Julio Jones. 
So I'm I'm wondering what you're thinking. Just really, just really quick, looking at four names. How does this affect the fantasy value for Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and for Julio if he ended up in Seattle? Well, very quick. I mean, I'm I'm working on my rankings right now. I did my quarterbacks yesterday, and Russ was already you know top five. But if he adds Julio, I mean, he's moving top three, maybe even to number two on my rankings behind Mahomes and. As far as DK Lockett and Julio, I mean, I think they all move down because any one of them could have like a 200 yard game, and then the other one, any one of them could have a ghost game. So there's, it's, I don't, I mean, I think they're all going to be great and end up having great statistical years, but every week with three talents like that at receiver, I don't know how they can all perform. That would be fun to watch, man. That would be wild if Julio ends up in Seattle. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? That's already what we had. It's not really like DK and Lockett were both performing at a high level every game. It was kind of one or the other. Lockett had massive games and then nothings. DK had massive games and then nothings. So exactly what you said, you throw Julio into the mix. Uh, honestly, of the three, I would feel most confident about him as as much of an athletic freak and a stud as DK is. I think that Julio's just such a refined receiver and Russ would be so excited for the new weapon and, you know, Pete Carroll would want to feature him. I would feel the most confident that he would at least get consistent work, maybe not the biggest games, but the most regular production. Uh, but all three of them would take a hit. But as a team, Seattle would be through the roof for sure. Oh, man. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I mean, Craig in our keeper league, our league of note, the league of extraordinary gentlemen, has DK as a keeper and Julio. So if they ended up on the same team, that is kind of hilarious. Um, and I also, like I said last week, I think Julio is going to score a lot of touchdowns wherever he goes. I think, the, you know, that gap where in that thing, the, the narrative with Julio not finding the end zone in Atlanta, I think that, that's going to change. And I could see if he goes to Seattle, like Russ – like 20 touchdowns, like something absurd, you know, where Russ just forces it to number 11. So, man alive, that would be a fun offense. So I can't wait to see what happens. But it sounds like he's not going to be in Atlanta next year, so somebody's getting a boost. Um, speaking of boost, Saquon Barkley, the running back for the New York Giants, uh, is on schedule with his recovery. But like we said last week, we touched about or talked on uh, how the team's going to take it slow with his recovery. Um, they may even limit his workload for the first month of the season. They're playing the long game with, you know, six, 17 game schedule in mind and a, potentially a playoff run. So uh, Barkley owners, again, we're going to kind of go through some uh, stuff with fantasy and seasons and, and what to expect from your players all year long. But, uh, yeah, you got to kind of temper your expectations for the first month for number 26. Well, and that's the thing, like it, that does affect draft value. If you're, if you're concerned that the first month of the season, you're not getting, you know, the full Saquon effect, uh, that has, that could drop him down. Like he's been going number two, number three, uh, you could see him kind of fall, you know, maybe, maybe down around the Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler level potentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you know, I said it last week. We're done with the football news. Let's get to what really matters here, everybody. Let's uh, let's get to the listeners in the Falcomaniacs fan zone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. 
So as always, Falcomaniacs, there are many ways for you to hit us up on the two-minute drill questions each week, but the best ways are to send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com or to drop us a voicemail using the link in the show description. So last week we asked you, what is your go-to showstopper when you sing karaoke? And here is what some of our listeners had to say. So we heard from Christian. He went with some classic Billy Joel, Piano Man, you know, get the crowd singing. It's a, it's a winner. It's there's no nobody has a bad time listening to Piano Man ever. That's never happened. Uh, Steve Henning, he went with a great song. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with it. Schism by Tool. Not one I've heard many karaoke performances of, but uh, he said he he said he did it and he gripped it and ripped it and knocked it out of the park. So good for you, Steve, being adventurous. Uh, Reed, he had a bit of a tale for us. He, he said his go-to is <laughs> Bye 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 by InSync. Uh, and he assumes that that's also Drew's because they performed this song several times in New Orleans. And of course they crushed it, but he also gave us a song that should not be performed in karaoke. He, Brad, Botchdaw Brad and Reed, uh, they tried to sing Rapper's Delight at GT's. Um, if you're not familiar with GT's, it used to be uh, one of the hot spots in London, Ontario. There's a lot of words, and it did not go well. So, uh, yeah, I guess if you don't actually know all the lyrics, that wouldn't be uh, that wouldn't be a winner. And uh, Tyler, you know, our buddy Tyler, this was actually, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, Jeff. He did send us a voicemail, but it was, something went wrong and it was too garbled, but I'm pretty sure it was him singing his oh, choice. No. And I'm so <laughs> devastated. Maybe we can get him to send it next week, but um, I let him know. And uh, and he, so he wrote it and he said, it's a duet. So if you don't bring a partner, find a girl at the club who wants to sing. The song is Ain't No Mountain High. Do they do karaoke at clubs? I don't know, Tyler. I don't think he's... Well, I, it's a great know, tune, but yeah. You know. Yeah, at the, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a couple other guys replied to us. Uh, we had Geister. He came back with Against the Wind by Bob Seger. Great song. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grant said Lady, Lady in Red. Uh, that's also another great song. Steve, this guy came out. So I made a little joke in our group chat saying, if you guys don't answer, I'm going to assign songs to you. And I assigned... I can't remember which one I assigned to him. Maybe... Man Eater by Hall and Oates or whatever it was. Anyway, he said, no way, Billy Jean. And now I want to go karaoke with Steve. This is the only guy in the league I've never met. And the fact that he says an MJ song, I'm all over it. I want to see this happen. Um, Bednar came in with all the single ladies with the dance routine that I would actually pay money to see. Um, unnamed listener. I won't sing, but I've had enough to drink. I'll perform any song in cursive. Okay. All right. Thanks for the reply. And Whammer came in with Tiny Dance. I think he means... Elton John's version, but it could be the, um, what's his name, the country singer there that's married to, it just escaped me, McGraw, Tim McGraw. Oh, Tim, Tim McGraw, McGraw yeah. That's pretty, pretty sweet, Tiny Dancer. See, I was wondering if that was a typo. I didn't know if you meant Tiny Dancer or Tiny Hand, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That's yep, good. shout out. Uh, so it's down to us here, buddy. It's down to our choices, and... Um, you know, as a guy who I do sing, I sing, uh, I sing with a couple bands, obviously not really during COVID, but, uh, um, you know, since high school, I've kind of been continuously singing with different bands or, or on my own. And, um, I have a couple, I, you have to kind of know your crowd, uh, depending where you are. I've, I think that, uh, Bob Cajun by the tragically hip is always a winner if you've got the right crowd of people but uh if i'm somewhere that i don't really know 
My go-to, my number one, the one that I feel good about is Heroes by David Bowie. Just just gets everybody all fired up. I love it. Yeah, and just to confirm, Kyle is an amazing singer and no. slash musician. So. <laughs> yeah, you are. I've listened to you plenty of times. Uh, with me, though, karaoke is like this... It's like this free experience because I know I'm going to butcher no ma- any song I choose. No matter the song I choose, it's getting butchered. So I have a lot of fun with it. And since we asked this question the last week, I've driven at least 3,000 kilometers. And for 2,800 of those kilometers, I've been practicing my karaoke. And I think the song I would go with right now is Effect and Cause by the White Stripes. It's a fun Whoa. jam. I hope you you know it um and yeah i love the lyrics i love the energy and like i said i'm gonna butcher no matter what i sing so uh that's my choice affecting cause by the white stripes unless tim batnagar is there our brother um if him and i are singing karaoke together we're doing crossroads by bone thumbs bone thugs and harmony and oh. um yeah that's kind of an inside thing from when we drove cross country but uh yeah a lot of fun memories on that trip um but we actually got some bonus answers here from Twitter. So, uh, you know, Kyle and I are getting a little established in the industry with our podcast here, and I'm starting to make connections with NFL players. And um, some of the quarterbacks actually reached out to me and gave me some of their answers. So if you we have a few seconds, I'm going to go through these. If that's all right. Yeah, go for it, buddy. Let's hear. So Matt Stafford was the first one to reply. He's going to sing Going to California by Led Zeppelin. Then we got uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to go with Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. We got Tom Brady. He came in with two songs. First one he said was All I Do Is Win, which is uh, pretty on the head. And then he also said he'd sing Holding Back the Years by Simply Red, one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came in with, uh, believe it or not, three songs. So I guess he goes up and he doesn't give up the mic. Um, So he sings My Way by Frank Sinatra, Turn the Page by Bob Seger, and Leave It on a Jet Plane. Quickly followed by Matt LaFleur, who sings Stay With Me by Sean Smith. And then our last one was from a, an account, uh, D underscore Watson 4. And the song he would sing is If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, you know, I wonder what they're trying to tell us here. I, we'll have to get somebody in to break that down. I love it. Oh, boy. Anyways, folks, um, you know, we're, we're kind of getting to the meat and potatoes here. And uh, I'm really excited. Um, we teased this a little bit earlier today on social media, but uh, we've got a brand new a brand new segment. This is a special show and one that we're going to uh, revisit each year. Because really, the reason why we're here, like we're having fun, we, ha- we have a good time. I hope that you have a good time listening as well. But the reason why we're here is not just to have a laugh, but to get better at fantasy football you're here because you care about your squad you want to you know you want to draft a good team you want to build a good team and you want to take that team all the way to your fantasy championship and come home with the title if you can follow this list you have a good chance of taking your scrappy squad from the draft and turning them into a fantasy champion It's a 10 champ commandments. Commandment number one, Jeff. Thou shalt start preparing before draft day. 
There is always someone in your league. There's always one person in the league who doesn't think about it, doesn't look at it, and all of a sudden on their phone calendar it says draft in two hours. Oh boy, they run out, buy a magazine, they print off a top 200 list. Don't be that guy or girl. The first, like, it's, it's number one, it's embarrassing. Number two, you're just, you're in a mess right away. You don't know who's where, what's what. Is it fantasy football or fantasy bachelor? You don't know. The first step is take a look back at the offseason. Who got traded? Who signed where in free agency? Who got drafted by each team? Who's new on each team and who's gone from each team? If you don't know that, you, you're, you're playing from the history books, right? And after that, you need to find rankings. Don't go based on last year's stats because you don't get points for last year's stats. Find current rankings or better yet, look at expert consensus rankings or look at a few people that you like and then make your own rankings tweak them a little bit right prepare a cheat sheet that a cheat sheet that you can take to your draft that's it and mock man like mock all the time every chance you get do mock drafts set up i mean there's so many opportunities and platforms to do it now you can customize them to your own league settings and get a really good idea of where player, players are going and how positions are valued uh, you can't do it enough before the season, so mock your, you know, mock your time away, and you know, like Kyle said, create your own rankings. So you know, put together a list, put them in tiers, put the players in tiers, and 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 you know, guys that you want, highlight them, and don't be afraid to reach for them because you know it. You, there's nothing more frustrating, and we'll get into this later, than doing the draft, and you know, you wish you did this in round three, and then it kind of throws you off the rest of the way. So you got to be prepared for the draft, and I'll take it even one step further than you know, but when the off season starts, I start preparing for the next year basically as soon as the, the fantasy season ends you know you're watching the nfl playoffs and there's these rookies coming out of nowhere who are breakouts and earn roles it's like those are the guys you can find later in drafts so yeah always have your you know kind of finger on the pulse and, and an eye out and you never know who you can find and, and what uh, what comes out the next year's draft but yeah you definitely got to be prepared that's a, a great first step uh, number two thou shalt know your league and scoring and it sounds dumb and i know you know I've been in leagues before I get into this where, you know, the guy's in the league for 10 years and he's like, I didn't know we had points for that. So this is something that's accessible to anybody in the league. As soon as you join, you can see your league scoring. You can see your rosters. You can see, you know, is it super flex? Is it two RB? Is it two QB? What are points for touchdowns? Is it the same for quarterbacks and receivers? Do I get yards, uh, points for scoring yardage? Is it points for first downs or IR spots? Like, it doesn't take you much time. Just do this before the drafts. Do this before the season starts and get accustomed to what your league scoring is or you'll find yourself in trouble and, and miss out on potential opportunities that other guys are taking advantage of or girls. Yeah, absolutely, right? And uh, just finding out the whole the layout of everything. Like, you you know, buddy asks, do you want to join Fantasy Football League? Oh, yeah, sure, our draft is on this day. Well, find out what's going on. Is it an auction draft? Is it a snake draft? Are there keepers? Can you trade picks before the draft? Can you trade picks during the draft? Are the waivers going to be reverse standings order? Are the waivers going to be fab? When do the waivers run? When's the trade deadline? Are there waiver limits? Is there a waiver deadline? How long do trades take to process? Is there a veto on trades? All of these things affect how you're going to do things. I've been in leagues where people weren't aware that trades take 24 hours for sure, that's the rule. 24 hours from when you click, that's when it comes in. So you traded a guy on Thursday. Oh, well, he played Thursday night. Now the trade's not going to go through because he's already active. So you won't get your new player till next week. 
I've been in leagues where there was a waiver deadline and people didn't realize it. So leading up to the playoffs, they they found themselves in trouble because they didn't build up their depth and all of a sudden there's an injury and they can't pick anybody up. I'll I'll be honest, I made this mistake, Jeff, when I joined the LOEG. Um, you know, it was a league that I had wanted to uh to join. I knew a lot of the members um and was interested and and finally a spot opened up. And I had played in a few leagues, but every league that I'd ever played in was one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. And I knew at that time, LOEG was a two quarterback league. Now it's a super flex. We kind of changed things because of the league size. Um, And I knew that. But what I didn't realize was that it was a three wide receiver, one like one flex that's wide receiver or tight end and one flex that's wide receiver or running back. So you could potentially be starting five wide receivers every week. And I did not go into my first draft really knowing that. And I drafted based on the idea that I'd have two wide receivers and a flex. And all of a sudden week one, I was like, I don't even have a guy I can put into this slot. And I, you know, it's not a pretty sight in a 14 man league when you're trying to, uh, trying to scrape together something off the waiver wire to throw into a starting, you know, wide receiver three spot. Um, so, you know, I learned my lesson that year and, and I'll definitely never make that mistake again. Yeah. And again, this is like, we don't want to sound to preach you with this, but like we probably, a lot of these we've learned ourselves from making the mistakes ourselves. And I know I've been, my first auction draft, I was so excited about doing an auction draft and I learned the hard way that I should have done some mocks before I did it because values and money runs out quick. So yeah, we're learning uh, on the fly always. We've been doing this for a long time now, but we were constantly learning and uh, it's all part of it. Absolutely. The third commandment, thou shalt stick to your draft plan, kind of. So (laughs) this one takes a little explanation. We do not recommend going into the draft saying, these are the guys I'm taking, or even saying, these are the orders of positions I'm drafting. I'm definitely going running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, running back. Like It's not going to work like that, no matter how badly you want it to. Is it important to lock up your running back depth early? Yes. Are there going to be quality wide receivers available in the middle rounds that you can start every week comfortably? Yes. Can you wait on quarterback and tight end if you only start one of those each week? Probably yes, unless you want to reach up for those elite few. But sometimes a player falls to you and passing over them just doesn't make sense. So instead of just planning on certain players or trying to follow one of those top 200 overall ranking sheets, uh, which side note, don't try to follow one of those top 200 overall ranking sheets. That's great. And it's a great little list of who's in the draft, but it is not going to help you if they've got a quarterback up at 20th in the league and you're taking a quarterback at the end of the second round. That's not what you need to be doing. Instead, um, you know, I feel that the best way to go about it is, you know, like we said, look at rankings, make your own rankings, but try to stick to what's called tier based drafting. So this is something that you might have heard on another podcast or you might have read about somewhere and maybe don't exactly know what it is that they're talking about. So with tier based drafting, what you do is you order the players in their rankings by position. So you've got all the quarterbacks, all the running backs, all the wide receivers, not a collective 200 list, but by position. 
and then you separate them. You kind of draw a line where each tier ends. So you have the top tier guys and then the next level down and the next level down. And what you're doing is kind of grouping together players who are similarly valued or players who their their production upside is kind of around the same thing. You might like one player in that tier a lot more than the others, but if you don't get that person, but you get another one in that tier, it's not as big of a deal because they're pretty similar players, right? So if you take that approach, you can have a plan, but that's where you run into um, a situation where it might not make sense. So when you're drafting, you might be telling yourself you must take X position, say running back this round, but all of a sudden it comes to your pick and there's a wide receiver on the on the draft board that's clearly in a tier that's way above all the rest of the wide receivers that are left. And all of a sudden you look at the running backs that are left and there's someone that you want, but there's also six or seven or eight other running backs that are kind of in the same tier. Even though your team needs a, a running back, it makes more sense to take the wide receiver because their probable value being in a higher tier is so much greater than the rest of the wide receivers on the board. Um, and quickly, this is what happened to me, Jeff, the last time we did a mock draft, right? I went wide receiver in the first round, which I never do. I just, you know, I wanted to see what would happen. It's a mock draft. So I said, I think after I made my pick, um, DeAndre Hopkins, I said, I need to take a running back in the next round. Well, no, I don't, because the next round I was picking fourth or fifth in the second round, and all of a sudden Travis Kelsey fell to me. Travis Kelsey, who I thought was going to go at the 11th or 12th pick in the first round, fell to me. So it made no sense for me to take a, an okay running back, which I still ended up with in the next round in David Montgomery, when I could get the best, without question, the best option at tight end, a guy who's above everybody else, right? It's true, yeah, but... To be fair, you didn't love that team, but that is why you mock, right? You And that's why we said, I, maybe I didn't make it clear, but mock differently and mock, you know, take a tight end in the first round just to see how the rest of it plays out. Or do what Kyle said, take a receiver and a tight end and then see how the rest of the t your team fills in and how, you know, how you like it before you actually do your real draft. And you'll, you know, you'll get a better idea of what's happening. And also a big part of this, vow, or this um, commandment is watch what the rest of the league is doing. So, like, let's say, for instance, you're waiting – on a quarterback and now several of them have gone and it's your pick look at the teams that come after you do they still need a quarterback will they take a second one if they have one already it could be a case where everybody has their quarterback and you could wait even longer so um you know you got to watch what the other teams are doing it's i mean as much as you want to focus on your draft plan you got to kind of stay fluid and as everybody says and pivot when you can but uh, watch what the uh, rest of the league's doing because it can affect your picks and and what you know what you think they might do can affect what you're going to do and don't also don't forget that uh, your draft is your draft everyone drafts their own team it's their strategy don't get worked up about how somebody else is doing something because it's their team they can run it how they see fit so just do you and you'll be fine uh number four thou shalt evaluate every team after the draft and then we put every in underline it should be all caps and bold this is a huge time of the year you know like we said everybody uh everybody's excited about their team after the draft but nobody wins at the draft like week one is exciting yeah look at this lineup i have but this is a, a marathon not a sprint and a big part of 
the season is evaluating your own team after the draft. Take a look at your strengths. Take a look at your weaknesses. Where are you deep? Where are you volatile? Do you have any guys that have you know high ceilings but low floors or vice versa? Um, who are you concerned about? And then do the exact same thing for every other team in the league. You may notice that, holy crow, team four has you know five receivers, can only start three of them, and has no running backs, and you have a, you know an extra running back. So this is an opportunity to you know fill some holes early in the year based on your strengths without taking away from your lineup. So this is a really, really important time. It's my favorite time of the year. You know, I send out feelers. I talk to everybody else in the league. I'm, uh, I love the, you know, the moments after the draft when everybody's so pumped about their team, their team. And, uh, and, you know, this is a time to pounce if the, there's opportunity. Absolutely. And just to kind of build on one, on something you were kind of mentioning there, it's a great idea whether you draft in person or whether you do it virtually, it's a great idea, you know, that night or the next day, send out a quick message to the owners in your league, ask them about how they feel about their team. They've had a little time to digest. How do they feel after the draft? Um, so not only do you kind of get an idea of what they're thinking, they might, you might look at them and say, oh, I think their running back core is a little weak. And they say to you, I am pumped. I think this guy and this guy are going to be RB ones. And, you know, you, you realize you're not seeing things the same way, but at the same time too, you've also now opened the lines of communication, right? You've started a little back and forth. You maybe have a little banter, a little smack talk, you know, say, ha ha, remember this or whatever, or I hope this happens or probably, you know, my team's garbage or whatever. Self-deprecation always works in trade. Um, but, uh, you've opened the lines of communication. And then when it comes time in a couple weeks that maybe they are ready to make a move, or maybe you're ready to make a move, you've already kind of gotten in. Um, you've got a conversation starting point. They said, they said after the draft, you know, I'm a little worried about so-and-so and that player hasn't really been performing. And you say, you know, maybe last year it was Deshaun Watson and you say, ooh, you know, how's Watson? How are you feeling about Watson? Well, not good. He's had a bad first few weeks. You make a deal because you believe in him and you know that uh, Bill O'Brien's on his way out. And, you know, last year anyways, things were pretty rosy for number four there. Um, so, yeah, I really like that idea. I think it's uh, it's good to touch base and, and open that line of communication early and it opens things for trades down the road. Real quick before we jump on the next one too, I've seen it where guys didn't realize what they've drafted until the afterwards. And also keep an eye out during the draft. Sometimes there's a, a league chat during the draft and people will comment on their own picks saying, oh man, I was rattled after Kyle took this guy. I didn't want this guy. Mark it down. And if that guy is somebody you have interest in, you know that he wasn't thrilled to get him and that's somebody you can pursue. So, you know, always keep your eye out because there's a, you know hints all over the place. Definitely. Number five, thou shalt watch the waiver wire. This is one of the big ones, right? You know, the original Ten Commandments, there's, you know, there's some snoozers and then there's like the thou shalt not steal. This is one of the big ones. Thou shalt watch the waiver wire. And the first thing that we have written down here is immediately, immediately, because things can change by the time your draft is over. Things can change the next day. Things can change in week four of the preseason. Depth charts change every day. Injuries happen every day. And you could save yourself a lot of trouble and you could get a gem before the season even starts. So I'm thinking back a couple of years ago, 
uh, when Jarek McKinnon just arrived in San Francisco, right? He was a backup to Adrian Peterson in um, in Minnesota and then Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. And when Cook was hurt, he kind of took the feature role and, and was about to get his big chance in San Francisco. And I took him as my running back too. And the next morning I woke up and there was news, oh, he tore his ACL is out for the season. Like, what are you going to do, Right. Hit the waiver wire. Take a look. What's out there? It might find something and not have to make a trade. Don't stop watching. So start immediately and don't stop watching. Even if your team wins the first couple, even if you're feeling good, do not slack on the waiver wire, especially in those first few weeks of the season because you could find someone not just to fill a gap, but someone who's going to be a starter for your team. Somebody who could take, you know, the team that you felt good about at the draft and it's just like a freebie. It's like a, it's like using a game genie. Uh, they could push your team to new heights. There are always running back injuries in football. You could get the guy who's backing up. There are always quarterbacks and tight ends and wide receivers who nobody was thinking about, nobody was talking about on draft day and then all of a sudden week one hits and you're like, oh, What's this all about, right? Think about last year. CMC went down. Saquon went down. If you got Mike Davis, you were thrilled. If you had Wayne Gallman with the Giants, like he was a usable running back. Also, though, James Robinson, Justin Jefferson, Miles Gaskin. These were names that were not even not even an afterthought, even in the deepest of drafts, unless you were doing a rookie draft. And then all of a sudden, they became the people to own. Go back a couple years, 2019, Terry McLaurin. I got Terry McLaurin in a league off waivers in week two, I think. Ryan Tannehill in his new home. He was kind of a halfway through the season, and all of a sudden he was the guy you could start all the way to the finals. A.J. Brown on the same team. Darren Waller. He Like, nobody was interested, and then all of a sudden everybody was fighting over who was going to get these guys on their team. Oh, and also, like, yeah, we're talking about some big names that get found, but also understand not everyone is going to work. And, you know, lots of guys get hype at the waiver time. Uh, some guys do absolutely nothing. I can think of a guy I drafted last year <laughs> or spent all my waiver money on, and I can't even think of his name again. We just talked about him. Dearness scared stupid. Dearness scared Stu. Slam dunk Dearness. Slam dunk Dearness. Uh, I thought he was the next Jamal Charles. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they're not all going to work, but you got to try it. You have this fab money or whatever the you know waiver priority. Don't let it go to waste. It is an opportunity to improve your roster. And, you know, just to talk about what Kyle said, you know, usually, I don't know if it's a waiver period and say they open up Tuesdays, that's when most guys get claimed on waivers. But keep monitoring it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because – Guys get nicked up or guys get in legal trouble and somebody might be there that you thought, oh, he must have been claimed. So, yeah, always absolutely keep an eye on that and watch who gets dropped. Just monitor it all the time. You'll be surprised how many times somebody gives up on a player too early or they drop a guy because they don't have room on their IR or they don't have room on their bench or there's somebody's on a buy. It happens especially early in the season. People give up really early and you can find a gem. So constantly watch who's being dropped and uh, constantly evaluate your bench versus the guys available and, and always be looking to improve your roster. Uh, number six, thou shalt seek wisdom. And that's where the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast comes in. Uh, but not only that, there's a lot of other things you can do. I mean, every fantasy player thinks they're smarter than the rest of the league. I mean, I know I am in most of my leagues, which is fortunate <laughs> for me. Just but, the ones you play without me. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but no, but everyone does, you know, everyone thinks they have the eye that can 
spot breakouts and see when players are in decline and everyone thinks they know they're better than everybody else but they're really you gotta you gotta trust the resources and you gotta take advantage of them because they're everywhere there's magazines there's articles online weekly there's con- daily minutes i mean the, by the second they're updating rankings on you know sites like fantasy pros so uh just to take advantage of everything you have at your fingertips it's most of it's free and if you want to pursue it even you know further you can pay for things and get insider information but constantly um be looking and 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 looking at the newest information waivers drops injury reports there's all kinds of news that can help you make decisions whether it's you know somebody's dinged up and missed two days of practice and they're questionable this week well now you know quintez cephas is gonna have a bigger role and if you got that spot like you know what i mean that, that those are the kind of things that you can see before it's actually announced and maybe you pounce on it before you have to spend waiver money yeah, absolutely. And you know, like you mentioned right off the right off the hop with this one, there's a lot of information out there to read, especially free information you can find if you go digging for it. But if you don't have a lot of time, if you're, you know, busy with work, you've got commutes, you've got kids, there are podcasts. And you know that cuz you're listening to us right now. But uh, not all podcasts are created equal and not all podcasts are for everybody. So, you know, try some out. Find the ones that work for you. Um, There are specialty podcasts as well. There are some that just focus on injuries, talking about, you know, past cases that were similar, recovery timelines and replacement players. There are some fantasy football podcasts that don't really get into the week-to-week specifics, but instead are more of an overall strategy thing. There are daily fantasy sport podcasts. There are some that are more data-driven. There are some that are more game film-driven. There are some that only talk about dynasty leagues. There are podcasts out there for everyone, and you may find one that you like for a little while, and then you you feel like after a few weeks, okay, they're just saying the same things over and over again. Um, and I would say in those cases, don't, don't keep wasting your time. If you're not getting something out of it, and more importantly, if you're not enjoying listening to it, there's always, there's always something else out there. And you know what? I think I speak for both of us, Jeff. I, I feel pretty comfortable in our skin. I'm happy to share our listeners. I know the Falcomaniacs are a loyal bunch and I know that they can, uh, take something from us and, you know, maybe have a little side thing too. But, uh, but also, yeah, if you are not enjoying listening to us, I would love, love to hear from you and, and maybe some suggestions or what you don't love or like about listening to us. So, yeah, reach out if you are not a fan. Yeah, just no Leafs talk, please. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, a, you know, one of our things um, we, we talk about all the time, we started doing this because we love talking about fantasy football because we have things to say that aren't just, you know, part of, uh, you know, what you hear a lot of people call the echo chamber, which is where one fantasy analyst says something and then you just hear the exact same stats, the exact same stories, the exact same phrases bounced around all week long on every show. And then the next week, it's the same thing over. Um, I can honestly say that, you know, we kind of come at this with our own with our own fresh approach. But really, the the ultimate thing is we wanted to do something that we had fun doing and that other people would have fun listening to. So if that's what you're into, then hopefully you're enjoying it here. Um, but I know that there are other people that they don't they don't really care to uh, listen to two goofballs, you know, talking nonsense or Michael Keaton movies or chocolate bars or whatever it might be that day. <laughs> they just want the they just want the nitty gritty. They just want you know yards after the catch and pass touchdown 
uh, that's fine. That's that's your thing. Go find uh, go find somebody else. That's great. Um, but uh, you know, for those uh, and, you, and honestly, when you're when you're listening to these experts and you see these rankings and everything, you know, the, all these avenues and, and access to all the stuff you have, you kind of. I mean, for me personally, I don't just look at it and trust it, you know, word for word. I just sometimes I just look at something and I'm. Like, oh, I didn't even think about looking at it from that angle. You know what I mean? And then you start looking at things from a different angle that you wouldn't have considered. And it's still, you're doing your own rankings, but you add something else to it. So, yeah, we're constantly learning. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just yeah. want to throw that in there. No, absolutely, for sure. But, uh, you know, the, the point of this one is there's a lot out there. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of, uh, you know, fantasy wisdom and to make yourself a better fantasy manager, take advantage of the, the wealth of information that's available to you. All right, this is another biggie. Number seven, thou shalt be a good trade partner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> For those in the back, listen close. There's not one way to make a trade. Everybody has their own style. Every potential trade partner needs to be handled a little bit differently. I'm a teacher, Jeff. I'm right now in the middle of teaching grade one and two. Every kid needs to be approached differently. Some need my thumb on top, just squishing them down, keeping them under wraps. And some need to be you know, swept up and some need to be lifted and some need a louder voice and some need a softer approach. You get to know. And you do the same thing with your league mates. You know how to approach. You know who wants a who wants a long preamble. You know who wants some small talk first. You know who wants to just get down to business and you just say, hey, are you interested in so-and-so? No, okay. But you've got to be a good trade partner. So number one, when you're starting out, do not, do not go into it thinking I'm going to fleece somebody. I'm going to just pull off the, you know, this is Ocean's 11. I am going to break into their safe and walk out with everything. Sure, you would feel good for about 5 minutes and your team would be a lot better. But there are consequences. Your whole league is going to be mad. Your commissioner is going to have to put up with 10,000 messages of people saying reverse the trade, veto the trade, take it back. This isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. This is ridiculous. I quit. I'm not doing anything. The person who you did that to is going to get harassed by everybody for such a bad deal. And the worst part is nobody in the league is going to trust you as a trade partner again. They're not going to want to be involved because they're going to have hurt feelings over what happened. So... When you start out with a trade, you should be looking at your team. You should be looking at your trade partner's team. Sure, you want to get a player that makes your team better and you don't want to give up something that you want to keep. Absolutely. That's how everybody thinks about it. But you've got to look at how am I going to make my team better and how am I you know, going to give them something that they want. Now, all that being said, if you're outside of the trade, just because you don't like it, just because you see a trade that you don't like, does not make it a bad trade. If both teams are happy and the commissioner looks at it and doesn't see any evidence of collusion happening, in the words of the illustrious Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax, manage your own team. If you don't like it, too bad. If you think the other guy could have got more, then you should have made an offer too. You could have got, you could have got that player, right? Um, so like I said, look at what your team's areas of needs are. Look at what you can afford to give up, right? You don't want to put yourself in another bad situation. You don't want to give up your wide receiver one to get a running back one. And now you need a wide receiver one. Find what you're able to give up, comfortable giving up 
and try to find other teams in your league that are a good match. You know, if I have running back depth and I need a wide receiver and there's another team that's the opposite, maybe we can make a deal out. Make a good trade that makes both teams better. Um, And just one more quick little point from me. Respond to the messages you get. I hate it. I hate it when you send something out. Especially, this is even worse. So when you send something out and you get no reply back, that is just like it's like you have a it's like you have a computer player, right? It's like you couldn't find enough human beings to be in your league, so you just put an AI managing. But the worst thing, even worse than that, is when you message somebody and message them and try to get a hold of them, nothing, not a sniff. They don't they don't even reject the trade offers you send, and then two days later you see that they made a trade with somebody else. So they are. (laughs) purposefully just not paying attention to you like it's that's not fun right that's not good so even if it's a bad offer even if somebody sends me something i don't like it can be a starting point let them know you're not interested if you're not interested let them know that it's insulting if it's insulting but don't just leave it floating out there yeah, absolutely responded i think that should have been number one two and three as far as points for this one you gotta respond to everything and or it's gonna just create ill will and then people are gonna give up on you and i've seen it where teams get kicked out of the league for lack of activity so yeah just reply it's all it takes is a no i'm not willing to trade that guy and then you move on and that's you know that's kind of where i'm going with this if somebody says no yeah you can talk to them more and you can come back to that conversation later on but don't bombard them with texts and reasons why they should do it and kind of insult their intelligence and it just, you know, everybody values players differently. Some guys, you know, for baseball, for instance, there's a kid named Travis Snyder for the Blue Jays. I thought he was going to the Hall of Fame before he even played a game. I would have traded any for him, anything for him in a fantasy baseball league, and he turned out to be a bust. So, you know, everybody values people differently. Some people are going to make good trades. Some people are going to make bad trades. But you can't tell somebody how to value their own players. So if they tell you no, you just got to kind of deal with it and move on. I mean, it, I don't know. It's, it can be frustrating sometimes, but I know that the most frustrated, as a commissioner of our league, the most frustrated I, I hear owners is when somebody says, this is why you should do it, and they list out all the reasons and basically are running, trying to run both teams at the same time. It gets really, really frustrating, and people don't like dealing with that. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, everybody has a price, and you can find it out, but you got to be you know smart about it and not kind of in, insult the other owners in the league when you're, you're making your offers. And, uh, yeah, I know seen it you know numerous times where where people won't trade with somebody because they just don't like trading with that person and how they interact during trade talks so they just squash it right away even if it you know could be a benefit to their team so don't be that guy and always know your trade deadline it's i mean i've seen it too many times where people are you know Hey, I'm looking for a running back. And we're like, yeah, the trade deadline was two weeks ago. Everybody's looking for a running back. So, um, yeah, just know your deadline. This goes back to, you know, one of the other um, commandments where, you know, your league settings, you know, low, know when your trade deadline is, plan for it weeks in advance. And, uh, yeah, be be ready for it because the trade deadline can be the funnest day of the year if it's, uh, if it's done right and if it's a competitive league. Uh, number eight commandment, thou shalt always be ready to win. And I'm glad I get to start with this one because I'm going to start with an example before I read into this. Um, We had an owner in our league who had his mind set. No matter what that season, he was tanking and he's playing for the next year. He didn't have a whole lot of draft picks. He didn't have a whole lot of great talent in his keepers. And he's like, no matter what, I'm playing for next year. I've got all these draft picks for next year. I'm playing for next year. Well, he starts 3-0. And some of the draft picks he has actually turn out to be pretty solid players in their rookie seasons, Danny Dimes and DK Metcalf. 
So now he's three and zero, and he's got a legitimate lineup, and he still won't change his mind. Like, it's hard to win when you build for it. It's you're three and zero. You, you, I mean, you never know who's going to win. Basically, is what I'm saying. And you want to be ready to win, and never give up until you're basically mathematically eliminated. I, I mean, that's my mentality. I'm going for it every single year. I'm never playing for the year in advance. I'm always trying to win that year, and. Unless I've been, you know, decimated with injuries and it's kind of forced my hand, I'm playing to win that year and I'm not giving up on it until it's mathematically eliminated. I mean, we see it every year. Teams that are supposed to be good start rough and they pull it together, they come back and they win it all. I mean, Kevin, I think he was at the trade deadline. He was talking about blowing it up and he kept it all together. He added a piece and he ended up winning it because his team got hot at the right time. So. All you got to do is get into the dance, make the playoffs, and anybody can win it. So don't give up on your season before you really give yourself a chance. Well, absolutely. Like you were a powerhouse team this past season in our league, and it, you know, it didn't seem like it. Uh, there was much of a chance of it not happening for you, and one bad week is all it takes, right? Now that anonymous team that you were talking about, surely that team that had all those draft picks and those young rookie studs, surely. <laughs> The next season, they saw it through to the fantasy championship, right? Is that what happened? Uh, no, they saw it through to about week trade well, deadline. Trade deadline, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then they blew it up again. But well, they've got their mindset this year, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yep, trade deadline. Um, yeah, man, you know what, this, uh, I'm happy that you had this one as well, because, because you are a fantasy owner that exemplifies this almost better than anybody I've ever, um, you know, been in a league with where looking, even looking at this year, you don't even have a full stable of keepers and you have no draft picks. And I'm very confident that somehow, some way you're going to find a way back into the first couple rounds of drafting and you're going to find, a way to be a competitive team because that's I've just never seen you not do that. Even seasons when I thought you weren't going to be able to, all of a sudden the day before the draft, you're sitting pretty good. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I've been in the situation myself where I thought I had a great team and had a bad start and turned it around and ended up in the finals. And I've been in the situation where I was like you, a powerhouse team that, you know, just kind of steamrolled and didn't didn't properly manage my depth through the season because it was, you know, just kind of wins piling up. And then all of a sudden you run into one injury and you're in trouble. Uh, like Kenny Rogers said, every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. So if you want to win, you got to get out there and win. <laughs> I like it. All right. Number nine. Thou shalt plan for the playoffs. So I just kind of touched on this. Uh, I've made this mistake in the past and I learned my lesson. And there's a few facets to this one. So first and foremost, you've got to make sure you make it to the playoffs. Because I've also been in that situation where I did all the planning, all the calculating, all the moves I needed to make. And then I fell one spot short and it was all for nothing. So you've got to, number one, make sure you're going to make it to the playoffs. If you get to the playoffs... You've got a chance of winning. That's that's it. If you get to the playoffs, you've got a chance of winning the league. So as your trade deadline approaches, really look at your roster depth-wise. What happens to your team if your running back two was to go down with injury? What happens to your team if your wide receiver one or wide receiver two goes down? If you don't know the answer, if you say, I don't know what I'm going to do, 
then you need more depth, right? Going into the playoffs, this isn't the time to hold on to those maybe guys, to hold on to those, you know, those they might break out, they might do something, I'm waiting for something. When you're getting to this point and you know you're going to be in the playoffs, you need to protect your team and put together a winner. So the easiest way to do that is through trade. So that's why I said as your trade deadline approaches, start looking at this. Sometimes you can get lucky and a piece might come up on waivers at the right time, but it's hard to pick and choose when that's going to happen. So that's why we said play the waiver wire early and play it often at the start of the season. Um, But if you can improve your team's depth through trade, especially in keeper leagues or leagues where you can trade draft picks, you're going to find teams that... uh, you know, that forgot about commandment number eight and they're not always ready to win and they're giving up and and you can take advantage of that. So another thing to do is look at your starter schedules down the stretch, um, down the stretch of the regular season and into the playoffs, because as the season goes on, we do start to develop a good idea of what defenses are all about. We know the defenses that are tough against runs. We know the defenses that are tough against quarterbacks and that are tough against wide receivers. Um, And looking at that and looking at the value that they offer or the negative value that they offer, we can maximize the potential of our players. We can look for players who have favorable matchups, right? So looking back to last year's running backs, um, you know, I'm thinking of guys like David Montgomery. I'm thinking of guys like Jonathan Taylor. Aaron Jones had a fantastic runs run defense schedule in the fantasy playoffs right you want to see those green 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 matchups all the way now that doesn't mean it's guaranteed they're going to go off and have a massive game by any means and obviously you have to take it with a grain of salt if you've got Devonte adams and he's got bad matchups through the fantasy playoffs and you've got ty hilton and he's got good matchups you're not sitting adams on the bench but if you have two players that are roughly in the same you know, tier or same performance level and you're having a hard time making up your mind between the two and one of them has an easy matchup and one of them's got a tough matchup, that might be, the, that might be what tips the scales in a certain player's balance, right? Uh, I'm reading this point and it breaks my heart. So, so you mentioned defenses <laughs> and it is a big part of the playoff run. And, uh, you know, if you're fortunate, like I was last year, you, you kind of lock up a playoff spot early. This is something I like to plan ahead for in the playoffs. I look at, you know, the teams that are good, teams that are bad on defense, teams that are turnover prone. And I try to line up my team defenses for the playoffs early. Like I did last year with the LA Falcon Rams against the New York Falcon Jets week 15. <laughs> I had them for eight weeks for that matchup. And they got anyways, but that is, it's an actual strategy. And it's something I'll continue to do, even though I got burnt last year. It's, you know, if you're fortunate enough, like I said, to lock in a playoff spot, start planning for that, uh, the team D play the matchups in the playoffs. Even if you have to sit, you know, two or three defenses on your roster, you are in the position to make a long run and potentially win this league. Don't let it be, be- yeah, the reason you didn't win because you, you know, rode with the same defense you had all year long. Like, don't be that guy. You know, take take the time, drop the D, and play the matchups, and you should uh, it should work out. I've uh, I've already taken the the bad luck there, so it should be good luck moving forward for everybody. <laughs> and number ten, thou, and this one's probably num- the most important, I would say, because this is what it's all about. Um, you know, sure, winning is fun, or winning is a big part of it, but nothing is more fun than winning. And number ten is thou shalt have falcon fun i mean there's a reason you're up 
at one in the morning talking to your buddies about swapping tight ends. You can't even pronounce their names. And there's a reason you're doing all the work you're doing in the off season. Um, but I, yeah, obviously you want to win, like I said, but there's that, and there's nothing more fun than winning, but you want to make sure you have fun at the same time. I mean, be a good sport when you win, be a good sport when you lose, don't trash other people's decisions. Don't trash, uh, you know, bad trades or, uh, complain about rules halfway through the year. Really, nobody cares. Nobody cares about your fantasy football team other than you. And it's all about being good sports. You know, with the, you have a good quote in here. I want to make sure I read it. Good practice makes for good players. Good players make for a good league. And a good league makes for a lot of Falcon fun. So just be good. And, uh, you know, it mentions the commissioner here. I don't want to say that too much. But be nice to your commissioner, too, because it's not a fun job. Yeah, I realized after that, uh, as a commissioner, you might not want to read it, but I'm going to because I, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to play in a few leagues that have dedicated commissioners and it makes all the difference. You don't just need to be kind to your commissioner. You need to worship at the altar of your commissioner because they just want to play fantasy football. They just want to be a regular old league member like you. And instead they have to put up with all the headaches and all the baby whining and all the complaining and all the, why are we doing this and blah, blah, blah. And try to manage their team. It's a thankless job. I've done it a couple times in the past, and I'm thankful that I don't have to do it anymore right now. It's a headache. If you don't like something, bring it to them in a respectful way. Don't send them an all-caps text. Don't call them angrily on Sunday morning asking this or demanding this. Bring it to them in a kind way, or better yet, bring a solution. That's what I try to do. If there's a problem that I see... I say, hey, I noticed this, and this is why it's a problem, and I was thinking, what about this, or what about these ideas, right? Give them something to work with, make their job a little bit easier, and really, if you don't like the job they're doing, guess what? Next offseason, say, hey, I think I could do a better job, I want to take over. I am. I don't Please. know of a single commissioner <laughs> who would say, no, I want to keep doing it. Absolutely not. In our Fantasy Hockey League, we actually have three commissioners. It's a 20-team league, so there's a lot of complaining, mostly about trades. All the all the Ten Commandments get broken in that league on the regular. <laughs> and so we ended up uh, making a three-commissioner committee, and this year we had two of our three turnover um, and and no hard feelings to those guys because they did their job and they did it well and they did it for a while and, and now it's time for somebody else to uh, kind of take the mantle. So if you don't like it, step up and do a better job and if you don't want to step up and do a better job, zip it. Um, but uh, getting back to something else that you talked about, right? Win with grace, lose with grace, but also smack talk is the best. It's great. I love smack oh, talk. It can be. It can be. It is the best, except when it's not. Your family league is probably a little different boundary-wise than the league you play in with your frat brothers. So I, you know, I, I came up with a little, uh, a little slogan here: "Know your limit, dis within it." Nice. And uh, you know, we talked Jeff about always being ready to win, but this is of all the things we've talked about, this is one that I feel almost the most passionate about and it's something that we actually uh cap our show off with every week you got to be always ready to win but it doesn't work out there's one winner every year and if you're in a 12 team league that means there's 11 losers if you're in a 14 team league like we are that means there's 13 losers but even if you're not ready to win you got to remember a b c always be competing 
It doesn't matter if it's week 14 this season in an extended season and you're in dead last and you're going up against the juggernaut top seed. It doesn't matter because wouldn't it feel good to take them down? Wouldn't it feel good to lord that over them for the whole year that you beat them and knock them down a peg? Don't be somebody who gives up and loses interest. And if you are feeling that way, if you just can't be bothered to look at waivers, you can't be bothered to set your lineup, you can't be bothered to reply to trades, don't waste the whole rest of the season. Just say it to the commission right away. Hey, listen, man, it's not working for me. I'm not into it. I don't want to do this. Can you find somebody else? He'll find someone to take over the team. Because even though everybody might be your buddy and they want you in the league, they'd rather have an active you know, manager who's trying to compete. Um. Because if you're not, you're probably not going to be invited back anyways, right? Don't be a player who takes your ball to go home. Don't be someone who throws their controller down or turns the system off because they're mad. Don't leave injured guys on your roster. Don't leave bye week players mixed in with your starters. You might be out of contention, but you can still try to build for next year. You can still learn more about fantasy football. And something that I like to do when I'm not in contention, you can play spoiler for other teams. Either way, what you do affects the rest of the league every week. If you don't set your lineup and you're giving wins away, that affects the rest of the league and you're making people angry. If you do your best and play waivers and pick guys up and you knock off somebody who's trying to get that one last win to make the playoffs, that's great because you just showed their team it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs and you affected the league and you played spoiler, right? Respect the league, respect the game, and above all else, set your Falcon lineups. I like it. I knew you're passionate about that one, and I'm glad you got to say it because I've, you know, I get messages from you all year long. Why is so and so got a D guy like somebody that's out in their lineup? And yeah, from me, you got messages from me. (laughs) That's what I mean. Yeah, kindly uh, worded. I suggest that you go to his house and tar and feather him (laughs) because he put an injured player in his lineup. Well, you mentioned this. It affects the other teams in the league, right? And sometimes I've seen it tons of times where, you know, if somebody's competing at the start of the year and then they go 0-5 and, and then they start, or 1-5, and 5, say, and then they start tanking. Well, the one person they win, uh, won against didn't get to face them when they were tanking. So that's kind of disproportionate for the rest of the league. And that's kind of the, the, what drives me nuts when, when teams don't fill lineups just to, and give away wins. It affects everybody and it affects playoff seating and then, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's a point of contention for sure. It drives me bananas. Well, and I'll tell you real quick here, like something I said about playing spoiler. There was one team in our league, and we, you know, if you go back to the early episodes, we teased this team quite a bit, Christian. <laughs> and he had exactly, hmm, how many wins did he have last year? Oh, one. One win. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember who did. Oh, it was, it was me. It was yeah. me. He beat me. Christian has been living in my head rent free since October. And every week on the show after that, I tried to coach him up and encourage him and get him all pumped up to send his guys out and get another win. And you know what? In fairness, he did his best. Um, you know, he followed the waiver rule. I was going to mention this one. Like he went all in, he won the big sweepstakes for Jameis Winston when Drew Brees got hurt. And it's not Christian's fault that Sean Payton's a dumb dumb and didn't play Winston at all. But, uh, you know what? He beat me. He gave me a loss. It put me down one spot. I think I would, I finished fifth, but I could have been up in third with that one extra win with the way the points worked out. 
and uh, it it affected the rest of my season, and it affected me mentally and emotionally for the rest of the season. It affected you a little more than just (laughs) during the season. (laughs) Good on you, Christian. Um, Man, we've crammed a lot in this episode. We got one more segment to do. This is one one of my favorites. Let's do the two-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Two-Minute Drill. All right, Falcon Maniacs, we're going to keep it pretty simple for you this week. There are four teams who have never appeared in the big game, the Super Bowl. And we want to know, out of those four teams, who will get there first? Your choices. The Cleveland Browns. Yuck. The Jacksonville Jaguars. It's been an hour, so let's mention them again. Double yuck. Uh, the, the Detroit Lions. Yuck of, a duty. Uh, you know, a, lot of our, a lot of our fans love the Lions. Or the Houston Texans. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I think I know this one might be a landslide. Send us your picks and look for the poll on our Instagram story this week. And if you're not already following us on Instagram and Twitter, our handle is at Vulcanmaniacs. So get it done and get on it. We would love to, you know, we love providing content. We want you to join in in the conversation and a lot of stuff we post. So join, uh, make sure you follow us and jump on that. We're approaching draft prep season. So if you've got keeper questions or any other questions, reach out, please. Uh, You can send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. Or as always, we love those voice notes, so you can leave one of those to us using the link in the show description. And, uh, you know, if you're a regular listener or brand new to the show, if you're enjoying it, please remember to hit subscribe button, rate, review, and most importantly, share us, uh, recommend us with your friends, let us know, let them know about us, your family, your, your league mates, your coworkers, strangers on the bus, whatever it is, we don't care, just let everybody know about it, and uh, we do appreciate the listeners that uh, have been tuning in. Absolutely. And before we go, folks, we'd like to mention, if you haven't checked out the hit new show, The Barbarian and the Troll, what is wrong with you? You're blowing it, man. Check it out. Tyler Walzak, a regular contributor to our show and a loyal Falcon maniac and a fantasy Falcon champion, he has worked as part of a killer team to bestow upon us one of the best new shows out there. Like, you love it, Jeff. I love it. Our kids love it. Our wives love it. What's not to like, man? There's killer stories? Check. Sassy banter? Check. Is it kid-friendly? Check. Is it adult-friendly? Check. Deadly musical numbers? Dangerous quests? Ferocious battles? Like, what do you think? Check, 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 check out The Barbarian and the Troll. It airs Friday nights at 7.30 Eastern on Nickelodeon or on YTV if you're in Canada, eh? Come on out. Join us on a quest that won't disappoint. That's it. Thanks again to all the listeners for uh, listening. We, we always appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you tune in next week as we start unveiling our QB rankings for 2021. Ooh. It's an exciting time of year, man. I'm excited to see where you have guys, uh, guys rated and where I, how I compare with them. Uh, yeah, everybody that's listening, have a fantastic week. And remember, once again, set your Falcon lineups. Woo!